welcome to this latest episode of the Weekside Podcast. Just finished recording with the wonderful Phil, and uh, we talked about the last dance and the effect that that's had both on, you know, the idea that people are missing basketball that used to play basketball or currently play basketball and lockdown has affected that massively, but also the attraction uh, to the story of the last dance uh, by people that aren't normally connected to the world of basketball and the idea that the Netflix series, at least in the UK, the Netflix series has, uh, has got a wider audience. I've heard lots of people um, telling me how much they've enjoyed watching it. So we talk about that. And then we talk about the NBA season's return, its imminent return, hopefully, fingers and toes and legs and eyes crossed. Um, we also talk about the teams that we think might struggle with the return, as well as the ones that will thrive after we are released from lockdown in some fashion that allows us to get some basketball played. So we hope you enjoy this latest episode. And without further ado, here we go. Hello and welcome to the Weekside Podcast, your place for all things NBA on this side, the weak side of the pond. How are you, Mr. Philip? I'm all right, mate. Good, sunny, bank holiday Monday. Can't ask for more. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice outside. It is. It's lovely. Really, really nice. Always brilliant when you've got a nice, sunny, lockdown kind of bank holiday. Yeah, and I think... With basketball courts up and down the country being open for people to get some shots up, that's been a welcome relief. I know I found some uh, some solace in getting a few hundred shots up every now and again, especially with this weather. Well, I've uh, just taken delivery of a brand new basketball and I will be taking that out later today to go and get some shots up. Whip woo! What are you going to go, like one for a hundred? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll miss Shots lot. fired! I'll miss a lot, so um, maybe as part of getting fit as well, I'll incorporate some kind of running into misses. So, yeah, it, there's going to be a lot of running and probably not a lot of shooting. That's pretty good, though. What shoes are you going to wear? Um, probably some runners, to be honest, simply because I'm going to be running a lot. You're not going to wear any J's? No, too good for outdoor courts, mate. Even Even though we've just finished the last dance... To be honest, having watched The Last Dance, all of my Jordans are even more um, precious and there's no way any of them have been worn on an outdoor basketball court. Not a chance. That's uh, that's strong stuff, that. I I made a point of uh, wearing my Jordan 1s for the last episode of The Last Dance. I think a lot of people did. um, Yeah, I found myself making sure that I had Jordans on my feet when I was watching The Last Dance. Um, no one was in the room with me. No one was checking out what was on my feet. I don't. I didn't even put it on Instagram, but I felt better for wearing. What a world we live in, Air, Phil. Air Jordan. I didn't even put it on Instagram. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Considering I've got a um, Instagram page that is all about Michael Jordan, I no, I, I didn't put um, a picture of what I was wearing on there. But um, I, Give it a plug. Give it a plug. How can people find it? Um, Weekside underscore MJ. It's um, a site, as it would sound, totally uh, devoted to MJ, as in Michael Jordan. Not Michael. 
Gordon. Um, it, it, <laughs> it's pretty. It's it, it's going pretty well. Started it last October. Um, yesterday, it ticked over four thousand followers. So, yeah, it's it's going well. And there's obviously a lot of people out there in the world that appreciate Michael Jordan in the way that you and I do too. I tell you what, I've seen an awful lot of friends who had zero to little interest in basketball and during this lockdown have devoured The Last Dance and been on the journey of two episodes a week like the rest of us and absolutely loved every minute. Yeah, it's totally... Well, for you and me, it was never going to be in doubt, but for a lot of people, it knocked Tiger King off the number one spot of documentaries that they want to watch on Netflix and maybe the maybe the last redeeming uh, piece of uh, good news will be that uh, we remember lockdown for the last dance rather than the Tiger King or both <laughs> maybe it's true it's true I mean I did feel a little bit down um, when the when I'd watched the last two thinking right okay that was awesome it was the golden age of basketball for me and probably yourself as well because we both started playing basketball in the, in the early 90s. So it was a lovely trip down memory lane. Uh, and also I, I remembered at the end of it that we're still a long way away from seeing any kind of basketball um, in the future. So it was a little bit, uh, but it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. The, the best thing I have watched on TV, apart from seeing some of the games themselves, it was just really well put together, well directed, gave us information that we, some that we knew, some that we didn't. And all I could think when I was watching it was that it was put together so well that anybody that didn't know anything about basketball probably couldn't have given to who to Michael Jordan was could sit down and watch that and be absolutely gripped yeah it, it, I want to see, that I want to see the next episode yeah it yeah, did have that it, quality didn't it and and I think that the, the hopefully the um the impact of of people watching it will be that they you know they check out an NBA game maybe even the highlights of a game afterwards and like I did after the last dance, I've, I've spent the last week uh, just finding myself in a YouTube um, hole watching, you know, Steph Curry hit threes, uh, like the, the NBA record for the number of threes in a game or um, some old school dunk competitions. And it's just been, it's been great. And it, it, it's done so much, I think, for the, the casual viewer. And what were some of the things for the, for the people that remember watching MJ and and, and what have you? I, I for one had forgotten an awful lot of what I saw during the the documentary, uh, and there were some things that nobody knew until the documentary came out, like the, the whole idea that MJ didn't have for the flu game. Um, and there's talk now that he could well have just had uh, altitude sickness uh, instead of the pizza that got blamed. I'm not, a, you know, I'm a big fan of pizza. I don't like it when he gets blamed for things. Um, I. So yeah, what what were the things that you found that that you would say? Well, oh, I didn't realise that. I knew. To be honest, being such the the fan that I am, there was nothing that really came out that I was surprised by or that I didn't necessarily know. But it was great to see the people talking about them. And being, you know, it being openly in the room, like 
nothing that gets hidden, nothing that, um, oh, well, this might have happened, that might have happened. It was all just out there and people were just talking about what it actually was. I'd heard for, I'd, I'd known since probably a few months afterwards that the flu gang really was the food poisoning gang. Um, it was the, the thing that they blamed it on was the PC. You're right, might not have been. You'd probably think that by the time they got to game five and they'd already spent games three and four in Utah in 97, that he'd probably have got used to the altitude. But regardless, it wasn't flu. It was, you know, he ate something and then he had a bad reaction to it. Um, it was interesting to, although horrible at the same time, like learning more about the death of his father and how they all felt about that um, and how ultimately that drove him to retire the first time because he needed to get away um, and it was interesting to see that just things like well if certain things had have happened or, or hadn't happened as it could have been then it just might not have worked out if he hadn't have gone away for 18 months to go and play baseball and find himself again and have some time where he wasn't as much in the limelight, would he have come back to basketball? Would we have been able to enjoy that second three-peat? The last dance would never have happened if um, if he didn't do things like that. So it was just like putting meat on the bones. I'd got an idea of some of the things that had happened. I'd heard things about what might have happened. But then this documentary was there to tell me all about right so you might have heard this might have happened or this happened at this point but there there was this documentary to fill fill out what the gaps that i'd heard something but didn't really know anything about it um and now i do it's i didn't realize that he doesn't like um isaiah thomas as much as he obviously doesn't like him <laughs> it was quite obvious yeah that that seemed to cut quite deep it did. didn't it but then you know the, the the Pistons, they they were always seen as as the foil to the to the Bulls, and I think Thomas has since come out and said, look, you know the Bulls weren't really who we fought all that time. You know we were trying to come up, come out at a time and 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 be a great team around the time of the Celtics and Lakers with Magic and Larry, and then this young upstart team turns up and that you know we were there we were their problem yeah um, and then you know eventually we're overcome and there's some there's some merit in in that actually but yeah you're right there was an obvious dislike that you could see between uh, mike and and um, mike and isaiah and when it comes to you know the the reactions of of ex players and current players since the uh, the airing of the last dance that's been quite interesting too i like a bit of spice uh, that's added from you know it's it's nice for it not to be you know Kevin Durant tweeted this and then a hater said this and then he tweeted back it's actually this is you know something that we that we've all enjoyed watching and had a very deep dive into and then some some real beef yeah. between players I think that's been quite cool to see yeah and the, um, think... whereas you know there aren't, there isn't a lot of beef in the NBA at the moment I think... is there any is there any is there a big beef anywhere in the NBA at the moment. Mm. Draymond Green tries to always get beef with people, but the most recent beef he's had with anyone is Charles Barkley, who's a retired player. Um, there's, there's the odd bit that pops up here and there, but you're right, everyone is fairly, like, kind of, like, buddy-buddy when it comes to to opposing players. The I'm trying to think of something that, that 
hasn't been. I'm trying to think. Was there something recently with Russell Westbrook and somebody? Um, oh, there's so, there's always something with Russell yeah. Westbrook and somebody. That's how he. That's how he. That's how his motor goes. That that's exactly how Draymond Green is. They they need something to piss them off. Yeah. For them to properly go, and we saw that with MJ. Even the, the dude, Michael Jordan, made shit up <laughs> to to get himself motivated, yeah. and I loved that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I forget which player it was now. Uh, look, which player was it? He come out of a press conference. It was '93, uh, Lebrad, uh, Lebradford Smith, and apparently after, Le- uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to anybody that knows you know a, f- a fair bit about basketball they probably haven't heard of Lebat Bradford Smith but as the story went again highlighted in The Last Dance he came into Chicago he was a first or a second year player had the game of his life and Mike didn't have a particularly good game and apparently he said to Mike after the game good game Mike and then which, which properly pissed yeah, Michael off the, the, so Michael then spends his time stewing and then he goes into the next game and absolutely puts on a clinic. And then all those years later, we get to the last dance and Mike's like, yeah, I made it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's essentially how it is. And, but then again, the, the, the story itself as well. So he comes in, has the game of his life, scores 37 points against the Bulls. And then the following night, because they, they're playing a, a home and home, they go to, back to Washington and Mike has 36 by half time. I mean, brilliant. Th- there's not there's not many people, if anyone, that can be like, right. I'm, I'm going to get what you had, the game by half, and then go out and do it. It's it's. He told people. He told people. He said, "I would." I think he said he was going to get forty before halftime, mm. and he got thirty six. Yeah. Which I think you, we can say we can safely say. Fair enough. You can you can have that as a, as you completed your 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 task, your yeah. prediction, and. The thing, the thing. I tell you what, I'd forgotten if this was possible. How good Michael Jordan was, not just you know on the stat sheet and looking at how many championships he's won and the story of him retiring and coming back and retiring. And then incidentally, we didn't talk about him coming back again, but that will come up <laughs> in a minute. Um, but I'd for watching the highlights and the footage of games and practice. I'd forgotten how good he was, like. Like all good players, his game evolved over time. So he came in as a as a well, an incredible athlete, and he was an incredible athlete when he retired, but in a different way. Yeah. And his game had evolved, and he had that turnaround jumper that might be just as unstoppable as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's skyhook. Yeah, it, no one, no one could stop him. He made that shot his own. I mean, if you watch from episode one through to episode well obviously before episode 10 but the first thing that struck me when they were showing him on episode 1 was the difference in form on his jump shot his jump shot when he came into the league was very much like almost the side of his head a little bit like Larry Bird and John Stockton they both kind of launched the ball from like the right side of their head Um, And he came into the league with that similar style shot. If you go back and look at episode one, and I think there's a bit of a a clip of him warming up in like Madison Square Garden or something like that. And these jump shots are coming from almost like towards the right side of his head. And then obviously that changed over the course of his career. He became a far better shooter because everyone, the knock on him was, don't let him go to the hole, try and make him shoot. 
and then he became a better shooter and then when he came back after the first retirement came back in 95 and had that disappointment of losing losing to the magic which again they don't lose to the magic does he go off and have the summer that he has and becomes just this insatiable appetite to win and then comes back with that like 72 and 10 Chicago Bulls season and at that point unleashes this amazing you know turnaround jump shot that as you said unstoppable he'd get himself on the block make sure he fell the defender out with his legs like backing them down and then turn around on him and, and that that shot was money for him so it was yeah like you said Kareem had, had the sky hook and various players in history have had a particular move and between 96 and 98 <laughs> Shaq, Shaq had Shaq had the slam dunk yeah. that was his move that was unstoppable yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to move everyone out of the way and then I'm just going to dunk on you um, yeah Rick Barry had the underarm free throws he's got various things um, but yeah Mike for me if you if you say what what move do you think of that you know a consistent move it's either got to be the way that he could do a reverse layup um, I've, I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody since him put reverse layup away kind of as regularly or as artistically as he could do it and that turnaround fadeaway jump shot that was just you know took him to that next level during that second three feet there were a couple of camera angles on that fadeaway where the the camera's on the court uh, level yes like as in the ground level and you could see the elevation he's getting on those jump shots Mm -hmm. in his like mid 30s you know and you're like that's unreal that is like that, that the person guarding him is one of the best players in the world because they're playing in the NBA and whatever team it is they've put their best defender on him and they're feet away you know normally a contested jump shot is you know hand in the face kind of you know half a foot away or something like that and even today's NBA players they ignore that kind of stuff and you see some great shots that that people have actually got hand in their face Steph Curry KD um, Clay Thompson but with with MJ, you, you look at that fadeaway jump shot, and because he's moving backwards as well, but he's created like five foot of space from a an incredible athlete trying to guard him. You're like, that's unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. Um, so yeah, the, the last dance has been been a welcome relief for, for for ballers, but it seems to have been a welcome relief for many people in lockdown looking for something interesting to watch. Um, so yeah, it does been it does been really Martin cool. Th- um, and I've certainly been wearing my uh, my Air Jordan ones around the house a bit more. One thing that I'd I'd love for <laughs> if anyone could point me in the right direction. As I say, there's weak side baller um, on Instagram. Lee's there on uh, Jana Snapper. If somebody knows how we can get access to what they showed in America this week, because I've looked and I cannot find it. They showed on ESPN on Wednesday, last Wednesday night. It was called Game 6, the movie. And it was obviously the follow-on to The Last Dance. Um, reality, other reality TV shows get to have like a reunion show. On this one, it was, well, we can't really have a reunion, so what we're going to do instead. They did Game 6, the movie. It was shown on ESPN. 
and it was the original um, commentary from Game 6 in Utah, 1998 final. But they used the footage taken that was used in the last dance. So all of the scenes, all of the scenes, all of the HD footage, all of the floor-level cameras and things like that that we saw clips of, they made a, a production of the game using that footage, but using the original commentary. And I cannot find it anywhere. I don't live in America. I don't have ESPN. I don't have access to it. If somebody can just point me in the right direction to how I can watch that game using that footage, I will be very, very grateful. Yeah, get, hit, hit us up, people. If you know, if you know where that is, uh, I think we all need that in our life. Oh. If we didn't know about it, I didn't know yeah. about that. That's uh, amazing. I've, I've, say, I've heard about it. I haven't seen any even outtakes of it apart from what we've we've seen in the last dance. But yes, so it was shown in America last Wednesday and as I say they just used the footage from the last dance to recreate almost the the game and then just put um, Bob Costas and Doug Collins and <laughs> funnily enough Isaiah Thomas uh, <laughs> over the top mm-hmm. of it because that, that also made me smile when I was thinking about it because um, MJ obviously has this resentment and dislike for Isaiah Thomas and yet, I remember in the the late 90s, 97, 98, watching games where Isaiah Thomas was commentating. He was the colour commentator for NBC. And he was absolutely gushing over Michael Jordan, saying such nice things and um, ooing and ahhing and all this kind of stuff. And so I was there thinking, is it a, a mutual dislike? Is it a, um, a very one-sided? I know that Mike doesn't suffer falls gladly, and if you would annoy him, that could be it. So how does this dynamic work? But uh, as we've already said, the, the last answer, he, he, he made no no bones about the fact that he doesn't like him, and and um, he, he he probably isn't going to going forwards either. <laughs> so... But yeah, if someone can oh, find man. that game and someone knows how people in the UK can watch that game, please somehow let us know because um, I, I really, really want to see it. <laughs> Good shout, man. Good shout. Right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about uh, which teams we feel like will find it easier and which teams will find it more difficult coming out of the current lockdown status. Um, into whatever the end of the season might look like in the NBA uh, and much more. So stay there, listen to this ad and we'll be right This episode of the Weekside Podcast is brought to you by The Nation's Playlist by GivePenny. It's an incredible place on the internet, thenationsplaylist.com. You head there, you pick a song to add to this incredible playlist of positivity. You make a small donation to Cancer Research UK. You get to listen to some cool bangers. Cancer Research get donations. Everybody's a winner. So head over there now, thenationsplaylist.com. In fact, don't go now. Listen to the rest of the podcast. Then go to thenationsplaylist.com to add your favourite song and help us build a playlist the nation can be proud of. 
And as a special treat, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you're about to hear a couple of those bangers right now. So we think that uh, the NBA might be coming out of lockdown with uh, some sort of you know, end of season going into the playoffs and more likely to be somewhere like um, Disney with a limited number of people around the team and everybody playing each other um, to get the season completed and then moving into the playoffs. Phil, if you, if you had to, to think about the more struggle coming out of lockdown compared to some of the teams that might there might be a correlation here with the idea that some teams might have more veterans but then you've got to look at how they might come back to full game fitness versus the young bucks um, wh- who do you think is going to struggle and who do you think is going to find it um, less difficult right so shout out to Disney World I know that you went there last summer and I've been there quite a few times but probably not a better place that could finish this season if they can make it happen. The teams that I think will be okay, the Lakers automatically come into my head. I think that LeBron has been to the finals that many times and has dragged a, at times, quite mediocre Cleveland team to the finals that many times that I think that the Lakers will be all right simply because he won't let his team not be all right. He'll make sure that they're training correctly, doing everything that they need to. And because of his his experience when it comes to that, I think that he will, if, if nothing else, drag his team through and... By that very nature, he will they, he will be okay, and therefore the Lakers will be okay. Um, they have a style of play, don't they, that actually is quite team orientated. I mean, he's leading the leading league in assists, and there's an unselfishness about the way they're not exactly like the Spurs from a few years back, or um, or the Warriors when they were proper cooking. Um, but there is a team kind of mentality there that I think will will work well for them in terms of getting rhythm. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with that. And and I think the point that you made earlier, the, the teams that are going to do well, when, and I, I'm going to say when, because it, it really does look like they are making great strides to make sure that this season is finished. And I, and I believe that it's going to happen. I don't believe for one second we're going to get to a point they're going to go, yeah, yeah, we just can't make it happen. I, I think that we're going to see the, some more games in in this season. The only thing that could then stop it is we start they start up and, and I don't know, there are too many positive tests or something like that. But I think that we're going to see more basketball this season. The teams that will do well are the teams that have got a veteran presence, who've got the discipline, um, who have the, the majority of their players have been working as hard as they possibly can, given the cards that they've been dealt whilst we've been in lockdown. Um, the teams that probably won't uh, are the opposite of that. Probably they've got youngsters, they might not have taken it as seriously during this time off. Um, 
it, it just think in terms of teams that had got players that had got niggling injuries, were a bit banged up, all that kind of stuff. These guys have now had t- two months at this point, at, at about two and a half months really, and they're going to have more to get themselves back into uh, at least being fit and healthy. Um, but then that's the problem that the NBA are talking about is that they need to have a good enough um, running time before they actually start playing games so that people don't go in too quickly and end up getting injured straight off the bat when the, yeah. when the games start. Yeah. Um, one yeah. thing that I was that's what worries me. One thing that I was a bit disappointed about because I did I, I thought that this was going to happen. I kind of thought that some of the players that we might not have seen until next season were going to come back now. I I must yeah. admit, I, I kind of thought, oh, we, we might see Kevin Durant play this season for the Nets and we might see Clay Thompson playing this season for the Warriors. And the reports that I'm seeing at the moment is no, that they are going to sit out the whole of this season. And if they're getting longer, then that's great by us, you know, longer means that they're they're getting more rest and and they're going to be more ready to go so the what i'm hearing is kevin durant and clay thompson will not be suiting up for the end of this season but i kind of hoped and i kind of thought that they would until that was all kibosh so i thought if if the nets could get kevin durant on the court and and kyrie can get back from his, his shoulder surgery how good could they be Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting, I think. But unfortunately, like you say, we're we're looking at you know having to wait until next season, mate. And I think that's probably the right decision for lots of reasons. But as a fan, it would have been great. I mean, you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to face the Nets if KD's back. <laughs> no, no, you, you need you need a win. You wouldn't. I've got a funny feeling, and I don't know why, and I can't really give you a good basketball answer. I think that the long layoff is going to have somehow negatively affected the Milwaukee Bucks. They they were such a juggernaut that you no know, steaming towards uh, the playoffs when the season got shut down, and I've just got this horrible feeling that it's going to be like a, a negative for them. And they play fast. They play very fast, and yeah. not having that up and down, I think they're one of the. I agree with you. They're one of the teams that might suffer quite badly with the the return uh, and then the playoffs immediately. Yeah, and it's going to be quite interesting to see because, I mean, Budenhauser has a history of creating great regular season teams that, for whatever reason, capitulate in the playoffs. He does. And yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at this going. Well, what what move does he have that is going to help them during the playoffs? Because you know, if if Giannis comes comes back and hasn't been going up and down, I mean, there's something that we haven't talked about. Like, there's an assumption that um, these basketball players that play in the NBA that they've all got their own home courts. They've all got like you know. You know, a building where they have a full that, 94 feet where they can play that's, basketball. That's the you point know. that I was just about to make because I know because we've yeah, seen Steph it. Curry. We, we've we've seen it on Steph Curry. We, we've seen it on the, Instagram. The greatest. Go on. The, we've seen it on Instagram. LeBron's got his own setup. He's got his own gym. He's got a court. He's got all this kind of stuff. I'm I'm pretty sure 
please don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that I'd heard that when we when lockdown would like hit America, uh, Yanis hadn't Yanis hadn't got a, a home facility that he could use to you know train and get up his shots and things like that. So you're right. I mean, I think there is this assumption they're all like multimillionaires and and so therefore they've just got everything that they need at home and the reality is that there's very few players in the NBA that have got everything that they need like a court a gym everything like that in in their home and so the ones that that have got that set up they're going to be at a competitive advantage compared to everyone else and because I've seen LeBron quite often on, on Instagram training, shoot, you know, doing whatever he needs to do. Um, he automatically comes to mind, especially with that experience. He's in year 17 now. Um, that he will he, he will drag the Lakers through. If nothing else, he'll, he'll drag them. Um, because... One thing, I, I totally agree. And like you said, said earlier, he, he can drag a team. Uh, let's face it, it went, early in his career, he, he could drag a team of, saying this relatively, bums to the NBA final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think that um, one of the other cool things to think about is just that Steph Curry doesn't have a hoop at home. And like, he's the greatest shooter. I'm putting this out there. He is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. And I don't, I don't even think it's close. We can talk all day about, I mean, I'm a big you know, Larry Bird was a great shooter, but volume shooter he was not because of the style of play. I, 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 I think Ray Allen was one of one of the greatest shooters we ever saw. Reggie yeah. Miller. I still don't think that they can get close to Curry, and Clay Thompson is second for me. There is a, there is a there is a quality in volume shooting at a consistent level that I don't think we would have seen from players that have been considered good shooters. But anyway, you've got someone like Steph Curry who, until the lockdown, didn't have a hoop at home. And uh, he was being interviewed by Jimmy Kimmel the other night and he said, uh, I have to order uh, like everybody does at home. You know, they're, they're, you know, a 10-foot hoop that you fill with water or sand and, you know, you can get some shots up. But I just think it's going to be it'll be so interesting watching these players come back but the thing I'm most excited about is what format that's going to come back in in terms of broadcast so let's hope that we basically get games that are like inside tracks the entire time where every player is mic'd up we can hear all of the F-bombs all of the trash talking all of the help defence and the communication and everything else that brings that game to that raw level so that we can look back on this and go Man, that was a good time. Not this bit where we're not playing, but the return. Oh, do you remember that? It, it might be that like we we look back in ten years' time and go, do you remember when we couldn't hear what the, the players were saying to each other? Do you remember we used to watch games and we'd have to listen to the do 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 or everybody say way oh every every bloody NBA game. Um, now we've got like such access to them, and I can't remember a game. Be- not being like that I'm hoping we see that kind of like that kind of sea change in how the broadcasts happen but to go back a step talk about the teams that I think will struggle I actually think that the Clippers will thrive but for a different reason than they've thrived before so they've got two of the best one-on-one players that we have in the game so they've got um, Kawhi Leonard 
and they got pulled yeah. and I watched one game I think it was it was either the first game where they were both healthy or it was at least only a few days a few games after they played their first game together and they combined to score 90% of the team points and they they both had they both had incredible games right I don't think like Yanis running up and down the court I don't think Kawhi and, and Paul George um, come come back being able to do that consistently but you know the thing that anybody can do very quickly it's play defense and those two guys are two brilliant wing yep. defenders the entire team is full of bulldogs that play amazing defense and I think that if we are blessed with a Western Conference Finals it should be the Lakers oh, and the Clippers yes. especially now because it will be LeBron's orchestration of the offense versus lockdown defense from the Clippers. And it's just going to be uh, an absolute brawl and, and brilliant for that reason. So I, I think the Clippers will struggle in one regard, but they will very quickly be able to counter that with stifling defense. The, we know that the NBA is always thinking about what they can do to um, differentiate their product from anybody else. and. I think that what you mentioned about getting players mic'd up and things like that is going to be the way that they can help keep this more interesting. To imagine watching these games when we when they come back, um, have you ever watched any of the Orlando Summer League? Yes, I was about to mention this. Yes, I have. And for that, for the rawness, I really like it. And so you know from watching that, that effectively, if you watch, because everybody knows about the Las Vegas Summer League, because that has turned into a behemoth. Basketball is a year-round sport now, or they're trying to make it a year-round sport. If you watch Las Vegas Summer League, it is, you know, it's held in the Thompson Mack Centre. They get crowds for each game which you know probably like at least 10,000 people whereas if you watch Orlando Summer League it's like the, there's just the teams and the referees and the coaching staff pretty much in the gym and that's what this is going to be like so they're going to have to come up with something I don't know whether you, you probably won't have heard about it I saw a couple of tweets and something on Bleacher Report about it um, yesterday in America they um, had something called The Match uh, it was Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson having like a head-to-head um, for TV kind of golf match. Um, they did it for the first time last year and it was just a pair of them going head-to-head and the one that was on yesterday, the match two, was um, Phil Mickelson was teamed with Tom Brady, the quarterback ex quarterback of the New England Patriots he's just gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tiger Woods was teamed up with Peyton Manning uh, retired NFL quarterback and it was 18 holes of golf in various formats and please if people know about golf I don't really but they they were effectively playing golf um, and they were all mic'd up and they were just having banter with each other and there was it worked well there was good banter and all I could think when I was seeing little clips of this was could you imagine this on a basketball court it it had it it would just be yeah it would be a spectacle and they've got to do something because the elimination of crowds is going to be massive it's going to be jarring like watching like a proper NBA game and there's nobody there 
Um, so they're going to have to come up with something to add that extra wrinkle so that people can like tune in and think, right, there was no crowds and that was a bit weird, but there was this and that was fantastic. Oh, yeah, but the thing is, though, doesn't that apply to any sport? Like, I might even watch football again. If they, if they, if they make it raw, like, I live, I'm lucky enough to live behind a football pitch, so I can look out of the bedroom window on a Sunday and it has to be in the uh, the winter because the, the, the leaves and the trees aren't there so I can see the pitch properly. I've seen some absolute belting games of uh, Sunday morning football of a lot of fatties running around trying to do 90 minutes without having a heart attack and I've seen you know six five thrillers right and I've enjoyed watching those games and I might have you know gone out the back gate and watched it for half an hour or whatever. That rawness is not the same as going to a game where there's tens of thousands of people with you. It's a completely different spectacle. It's a different entertainment medium. Bringing, combining those two things in any of the sports that we are all craving and missing right now has to be the way forward. Because we, like you said, I think like you were intimating, we're going to be in a position where we can't have large crowds at games. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the product going to be? And surely it has to be more of the product, you know, a deeper kind of insight and a deeper look at how it works. And that can only be, can that, how can that be a bad thing? I mean, maybe, maybe they're going to have to um, request that the players, maybe they have to put the games on a delay so that they have time to bleep out the expletives <laughs> or quieten them so that kids can watch. But then, then they're in a place where they can go, right, we're going to play it live during the day. But then we're going to replay it and it'll be after the watershed and you can hear all the F-bombs and all the trash talking and all that kind of stuff and all the disrespect and stuff that happens that's just people jarring yeah. at each other. That stuff, that's got to be the product. That's got to be. Surely, please, this is me begging now, please do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would just make, it would make all this heartache and pain and isolation worth it. <laughs> <laughs> to get out there and, and watch a game like that oh man we amazing. were talking earlier in this podcast about you know everyone seems to be friendly you know how much aggro really is there between players we might find out <laughs> because yeah and actually it turns it cranks up the pressure mm. on them so you would see more beef because it would mean more it wouldn't just be something two players said to each other during the game that didn't quite get broadcast um it would be something that they both knew was now out there. So if someone says, if, if Michael Jordan, you know, let's bring Michael Jordan back into this. Michael Jordan turns up and says, I'm going to drop 40 before halftime. And that was just his natural behaviour. It wasn't him grandstanding. That was him saying, right, that, no, this is what I'm going to do. You, 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 can, you might not hear proclamations as strong as that and predictions as strong as that. But you're going to hear some stuff that they're going to be held accountable for, and that's going to that's going to mean a whole new level of scrutiny, which is going to put a whole new level of pressure on on relationships between players, which I think will ramp up the intensity, which then will bring the best and the worst out of people because so much will be on the line. It's like they're rescuing they're rescuing the sport at the same time as trying to keep a persona that can, that their brand that's the NBA's brand at the same time as moving everything forward and keeping people interested oh it's just for me it's going to be great I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's happening and if it doesn't happen I'm going to be really disappointed (laughs) I I agree I I think that we are going to see a 
an, an, an interesting, uh, obviously a different, but a, a really interesting product that they put out because Adam Silver, since he's become commissioner of the NBA, has thought about all the different ways that they can play and, and things that they can do to increase um, fan participation and fan involvement. And this is another chance. I mean, obviously not ideal, not anything that anyone in the NBA would want to be having to deal with. But I'm pretty sure that him and his team behind the cl- behind closed doors are working out, OK, w- what are we going to do? What, How are we going to make this interesting? And I have no doubt that they will do. So, yeah, bring these games back. I can't wait. There's a lot of talk building up that, you know, return to training mid-June and then we will have games by the middle of July. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> which other teams which other teams do you think um will will struggle with this return? I mean I, I for one I I I'm a fifty fifty on whether my beloved Celtics will struggle or thrive. They they're a tight unit that have many of them have played together for more than one season, which is uh longer than some teams. And yet they are a young core. But I do think they've got some kind of uh, maturity before their years. Yeah. So, you know, we've got people like Marcus Smart, you know, natural leader, great defender, becoming a better shooter. And I think for that reason, you know, players like that are going to help the younger players uh, with their transition. And, and therefore, I don't think anyone in the East is going to want to face a, a team coached by Brad Stevens that might find this okay. But just as well, like I said, I'm 50-50. It could all could all collapse and they I just really that, struggle. Yeah, I, I agree well. that it's going to... I think it's going to have an effect on all of them. It's just going to be which teams can cope with it better. I mean, for me, the, the bit that I was looking forward to when we went into lockdown was that race for the final um, places in the West. It was looking as though you were going to have um, the Grizzlies, which were who were probably two years ahead of their timescale, um, the Blazers, the Spurs and the Pelicans all kind of vying over those last like 15 to 20 games for that final place in the West. And how, how are they going to, how are these teams going to come back, i.e. what what process are they well where are they going to be in the process and how does the NBA structure the rest of the season to allow these final playoff places these teams that are on the bubble to determine their own fate and whether they're in or not because of the four teams I've just mentioned then if you're saying okay we are going to finish the season but you've all got a chance still to get in how are you going to adapt well enough to hit the ground running and get in there and finish this season and, and maybe get into the playoffs automatically of the four teams I mentioned there do you want to bet out do you want to bet against the Spurs at the moment maybe but simply okay. because yeah, you can imagine that the, their, their pedigree what they've done in years past pop you know we only really have to mention pop and you know they, they could all of a sudden they just because they're they're set up and their mentality and things like that even though they're not the um, the most talented group of that four 
then all of a sudden they might be the ones that are, that are springing into the playoffs simply because they're better coached and they and they 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 just manage to deal with lockdown and coming yeah. back quicker. Okay. I, I could be convinced, and I think this is like Brad Stevens. You know, Pop is a great, is probably the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, he is. Know. Yeah, I and, think he is. And if, if if a team relies on its coaching in the early stages of its return, then the Spurs are going to be in a really good place. They've had very up and down. Oh, they have, yeah. So I, I can't. But in in a in a season full of turmoil, you would want a steady hand, and, and there is no steady hand in Pop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I could be convinced. I could be convinced. But I could just as easily be convinced that Pop goes. Of course, we didn't win, and that'll be just the end of the interview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting race that, and it, it, you know, arguably more interesting than the top of the West was looking, wasn't it? Before long. Yeah. The other thing that's weird with some of the teams, uh, and we're going to come back, and and I don't think uh, originally I was reading that maybe they'd do just go straight to the playoffs, like end the season wherever you finish, you're either in or you're out, and it and it now looks like that they're going to complete the season in some way and then go to the playoffs. And the I read somewhere five games. Was, was being right, so rumored. come back, you've got five games each. Now, they say five games, Lee. There are teams that have played more games than others. Like, apparently, the Lakers have played, played the least number of games out of any team in the NBA. There's also something about, mm-hmm. I think most teams have played somewhere around the 65-game mark. In order for te- uh, teams to get their TV revenue from their local affiliate um, TV stations each team has got to hit 70 games so that would probably fit in with what you're saying most most teams have played around 70 uh, have, have played around 65 games so if they play five games they hit that 70 game mark and they can get that you know their TV money but then you've got the Lakers that have I think they've probably done like 62 or 63 games so they've got to play seven games in order to hit that marker so I think they've just got to bring it back and make sure that every team plays an equal number of games and let's say 70 each team has to play 70 games and then we'll start some kind of playoffs Um, there are teams that whilst the lockdown or just before lockdown um, or during lockdown have been making moves internally within their, within their front office. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether those teams, just from doing those kind of changes, will it make any difference to the on-court um, product? Chicago, I mean, we, we talked about Chicago, the Chicago Bulls at the top when we were talking about Michael Jordan and the last dance. The Chicago Bulls have not been a particularly well-run basketball team for the last few years. They've just got in a new executive um, VP of basketball operations, a new GM. Will that make any difference? They're not going to make the playoffs, but when they come back, are we going to see that, you know, there's a different structure, they've got a different way of doing things. Has that in any way had any knock-on effect with the way that the team's coached and the the product on the floor? It's going to be interesting just to see little wrinkles. I want to see the end of the regular season because... Even though it's going to be weird without any fans in attendance, 
wouldn't it be great? I, I want to be able to tune in and watch Vince Carter's last game. I, I know I've said this to you before. I want to be able to see that. I want to be able to turn on my television and watch Vince Carter play his last game in the NBA. And the fact that it looks like it might be in Orlando, in Florida, where he's, you know, the area kind of where he's from, that's kind of perfect for me. Yeah, that'd be cool. It would be cool to get to, to give Vince the right send-off because it was very surreal oh. watching him um, find out during the game that this was probably his last yeah. game. That's just <laughs> weird and not fair. And I know a lot of life is not fair at the moment, but that'd be one of those nice stories to to have wrap up the season. Um, I want to talk about the Sixers. Okay. So I've often joked about Joel Embiid's shape, and it's because I... Uh, I'm a Celtics fan. I don't like the Sixers. I don't like playing them. Um, and I can't deny, though, he is he's brilliant. And as he goes, the yep. team goes. Now, Ben Simmons is expected to be able to come back from the lower back injury. I think it was mm-hmm. a nerve injury or something that he had in his lower back. He's had time to recover. You know, every cloud has a silver lining. Yep. We're all in lockdown. Ben Simmons gets time to recover from a back injury. Um, and... You know, the coach Brett Brown, um, someone from you know Greg Popovich's stable of great coaches, uh, Brett Brown. He may well have worked out how to get someone like Al Horford in the offense more often because Al, big Al, playing for the Celtics, we were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He was like the glue that stuck everything together in our team. So maybe in the you know the lockdown, Brett's been working out new schemes that get more involvement from. Um, Al Horford while playing alongside the likes of Simmons and, and, and Embiid but the thing I cannot get out of my head and that I'm secretly hoping for uh, is that Embiid has just been doing nothing but eating while he's been in lockdown like I have I mean I've been wandering through the kitchen and like everybody the fridge is basically the pit stop it doesn't matter if I'm coming from that side of the kitchen through the dining room to the living room got to see what's in the fridge because the last time I checked something <laughs> might have changed you know and now that we've got you know a, a load of elves that turn up and fill fill the fridge you know I'm talking 10 minutes between visits to the fridge I'm expecting the fridge might be different I open the door I look I might have a piece of ham I might I might find yesterday's pizza whatever it is it's going in right and I'm hoping that Embiid has been doing just that as well but something's telling me from reading around some of the comments and stuff from teammates that I've seen on social media and stuff mm-hmm. on the 76ers that Embiid's going to come in in proper good shape and then that is bad for the other teams in the East because the thing that we, we touched on quite heavily in the preseason was that oh my god look at the size of the yeah. 76ers they were they're enormous they're absolutely enormous and that that's that's an interesting zag to everybody's zig in the current league you know pace and space and all that at one end and then the sixes effectively go out and get the monster yep. and it's I just think that it will be really interesting if, if MB comes back in shape you know and he's playing between 35 and 40 minutes a game in the postseason the East teams in the East are going to have a problem especially teams out of rhythm and not really shooting that well because of the layoffs so the sixes to that regard, could the Sixers end up in the finals? Uh, of course, the Sixers can end up in the finals simply because the the amount of talent they've got. 
I mean, if you look at it from the way that, that partly what you've just said there and, and probably what we've been saying in other areas, this has, this could, and of course everything's could because we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. These could be the best playoffs and NBA finals we've ever seen because normally when we get to the playoffs and the finals, everybody is knackered. They've played 82 regular season games. They've been flying here, there and everywhere over the country. And they are fatigued. They're the greatest athletes in the world, but they're fatigued because they've been doing it for so long. They're, they're going to be coming into this off three months rest. They're going to be going to one neutral site where there's no travelling, no having to get on a plane and going and doing this and going and doing that. Yeah, it's going to be surreal, but they're going to be fresh. From, from personal experience, from personal experience, Disney World has incredible soda and donut and burgers and pasta <laughs> and brioche buns and all this <laughs> stuff. And I know I know it's meant to be shut, but like if the NBA is coming to town and they're doing the food, Joe jo is Joe is eating. He, <laughs> he, he might well do. I, I have a feeling that the Sixers will probably have something to say about that and, and will be clo- closely <laughs> monitoring whatever Joel Embiid puts in his mouth. Um, but I, His stats at the end of the season will be 21 points, 11 rebounds, 5 donuts, 3 assists, a pizza and a bit of rest in the fourth. That, that's that's um, his stats. But... Nah, man, I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm just jarring. I, I I I don't like teams that have a chance of beating the Celtics, and there's a bit of animosity between Philadelphia and Boston. And you know, and you got to think you got set the Sixers. That they're, they're going to be smarting after being knocked out by a brick last year. It was a brick. That last second mm. shot by Kawhi. It was a brick that went in. It wasn't perfect. <laughs> and Embiid was stood right there and watching it go in next to the Raptors bench. Which makes you think that that's been rolling around the 76ers' head all season long anyway. And they've probably had some frustrations because they've never really peaked yet. But they've got some interesting pickups. They've got um, uh, Tybal, who is just unreal on defence. What a defender. Such a good wing defender. Um, they're going to be they're going to be quite quite a handful if if Embiid comes back in shape. And it is all about Embiid's shape, right? If he comes back in shape, I think the Sixers are a, a dark horse to be in the NBA Finals. And notice, I didn't say win the NBA title because I don't think they can beat you know um, a Lakers or a Clippers um, or even a, a Houston. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm hoping, secretly hoping, that Joel has enjoyed time off. Um, but part of me is telling me that he's been working out and looking after himself and he'll come back and we'll all go, oh my God, the second yeah. coming of Shaq. I, I'm, obviously, as a, as a basketball fan and not so much a Celtic fan, obviously, I hope for the latter. But I'm sure, and I ha- unfortunately, I haven't got the stuff in front of me and I've got no way of looking at it. I'm pretty sure that when the season, where the season currently is, isn't something like Boston a fourth in the East and Philly a fifth or something like that, which means that a they're going to if 
that's hold they're going to play each other in the first round and then whoever wins that series then goes to play the Bucks in the second round so yeah that could be interesting Do you know what? Should we, should we make a commitment to our to our audience? And let's. I always joke about the fact that we've only got one listener. We don't. We have more than yeah, one listener. Three. Uh, thank you for subscribing, by the way. Yeah, it's it's triple that. No, I wanna I wanna first of all say thank you for for those that have stuck with us and given us a bit of leeway with the time off that we've been having and stuff. But I want to make a commitment to you that when the NBA season kicks off again, we're gonna bring you even more content and and uh, podcasts. Um, we're lining up so much cool stuff. I just want to make sure that you guys know that when the playoffs get here, we're going to be there for you. We're going to be talking about the games, talking about the players, all the storylines and that kind of stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm i hoping that we get to this set of, set of playoffs and it's going to be some of the best basketball we've ever seen because, we, you know, when people say, you know, you don't know what you've got because it's taken away. I knew I had basketball in my life, but now it's been taken away. And... I know the value of it to me and to others and it it, it coming back it, like you say it could be some of the best basketball entertainment wise that we've it ever seen. I think I genuinely think the quality of the basketball will will take a step up and I think it's because of the rest that they've had I do think that we will see better quality basketball in the playoffs and the finals because of the, the rest that they've had Mm. It is. It's going to be great. Well, on that note, my friend, uh, it's time to tie up this episode. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. And I want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe. And if you could do us one small favour, if you know somebody in your life who likes basketball and they know nothing about the Weekside podcast, let them know. Ask them to subscribe on Spotify or on Apple Music or wherever they get their podcast. Although, to be fair, it seems to be just those two, actually. You can get podcasts in lots of different places. You can even pay for podcasts on, on some platforms, but we're free. Um, head to Spotify, search for The Weekside Podcast, uh, or head to Apple Podcasts, not Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and you'll find us there as well, and subscribe. But let your friends know. Let, let your teammates know. Um, as always, uh, we've had a ball making this episode we use a platform called anchor uh, which makes it easy for us to bring us bring you these podcasts we can sit at home and 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 deliver this kind of conversation for you there is also if you download the anchor app you will be able to leave us a voice message which we could broadcast on the show so if you've got any questions that you want phil and i to answer download the anchor app so a-n-c-h-o-r anchor or go to anchor.fm forward slash weekside you'll be able to leave us a question and record a question and we can play it on the show and uh, let's see if we can get you guys involved so yeah big shout out to everybody who's listened so far and thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of the weekside podcast I've stay been safe everybody very Phil. there he is stay safe everybody let's have a good one see you soon <laughs>